0: Hey gang, Phoebe here. I'm so excited to finally have this episode out, a little treat for your ears, as I chat with the gorgeous and funny James Hornsby, aka Uncle Chronic Bone. This episode is split up into two parts. I'll be uploading the Patreon episode next week, which has some extra fun bits and pieces, uh, and a lot of gossip. I simply couldn't fit all of it into one episode, or else it would be approximately four hours long. I'm taking a little season break after this episode so I can pre-record some interviews with some very exciting guests. Please stay tuned for a mid-year return But Don't Worry It's Not Just You. Thanks so much for listening. Until then, enjoy today's episode. I love you. Taking calls. Being a girl boss means chasing yourself. Want to be successful in this world, you have to follow a passion, not a paycheck. And what did say? Work, bitch. hello and welcome to another episode of Don't Worry, it's not just you. I'm your host, Phoebe Paradise, and I hope this email finds you well. The first and only podcast on planet Earth that is brave enough to explore the weird, wild, and frankly bewildering world of freelancing, side hustling, and monetized hobbies. To help me on my quest to make sense of this so-called creative gig economy, I am joined by my friend, truly the definition of multidisciplinary (laughs) his work borders on science fiction not in the subject matter but by the way he's able to breezily travel between the real and digital worlds in his art he's a painter photographer videographer animator 3d world builder musician fashion designer and dare i say it actor, (laughs) pedestrians of Queen Street Mall may recognize his gorgeous smile blown up to wall size at the Universal store late last year for their (laughs) Good Company campaign. He's good company indeed. It's James Hornsby. Yo, what's up?
1: Wow, that was a great intro. Jesus, where'd you pull that one from?
0: (laughs) Um, Thank you. (laughs) You're so welcome, James. Thank you so much for schlepping me out to Paradise HQ today for the interview. Such a pleasure to have you.
1: Sick.
0: I'd like to start off the episode today a little differently uh, this week by watching a video together.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, that sums it (laughs) up. (laughs)
0: um look i'd be remiss not to mention the absolute nightmare week that has just unfolded in australia the brisbane flood that has smashed through not only brisbane but like basically by now the entire east coast of australia james are you okay is your house okay how are you doing
1: yeah i'm cool yeah it's obviously yeah it's real sad we didn't really get any too affected at our place at Tawong. we'll cut off for like a day yeah but um luckily we live on a really big hill so oh
0: that's so that was good
1: but yeah it has been scary now it's been about
0: almost seven days i guess since the flood or like under seven days since the flood i've been noticing there's something really weird and interesting about the language of work during a crisis like this yeah everyone's approach is really different like you know kind of since the floods happened so we got our power was out for a couple of days like we had some friends have to come stay here
2: true and we were
0: helping them out a little bit this week and it felt like in the crisis like in the moment when things were like really really bad and scary here all of the work that i had was just like whatever it's fine i'm just like not going to worry about it future phoebe can worry about it but then like it got to the sort of start of the week or the midweek, and you know, our friends were getting back on their feet. And I'm like, oh fuck, the emails have just continued to come in. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Like, legit. The, the, emails the world didn't stopped. stop
1: with this flood.
0: I <laughs> know, it really didn't. Yeah. And it, it was sort of interesting seeing how, like, how people communicate to you in a work sense while something as crazy as the floods e- is going on. Yeah, You know, legit. like, some people start off an email not acknowledging it at all just being like hey any updates on blah blah and i'm like oh yeah, yeah. totally man <laughs> like, um and you then you the news yeah i'm like have you turned on the tv lately <laughs> um,
1: no i had th- i had that too i had an email coming through from melbourne that was like yo like what's going on oh, they, they did mention like hopefully you're not all affected by the weather Like, it was, like, that. I'm, like, yeah, no, I don't get sad when it rains. Like, what do you mean? (laughs) But, yeah, (laughs) it, it it doesn't stop. And I also, like, feel, like, like, obviously it takes an emotional toll on, like, all of us. Yeah. And then I feel like I can't work. But then, like, do, or, like, I can't progress or do anything that's, like, valuable. And then it's, like, but then am I making the world like worse by like not doing anything lovely mm-hmm. by just like you know being sad like do i have to like push through this like i it's a confusing time especially when there is so much sad shit going on
0: it's so strange i, I had a friend make comment on how like they were based in milton and they were talking about how strange it was coming off of the work site you know they're like caked in mud and shit and cuts and bruises and stuff going to the paddock for a beer in the afternoon and like surrounded by all of these people in corporate garb and stuff yeah just how strange it is like when you're going through something like this the world really does just keep turning and you know it's it's really hard to navigate and really hard to be creative i don't know if you found it like in the last week but Trying to claw back some sense of normalcy and like yeah get onto my deadlines again and that kind of thing. I found it really really hard and weird. I've like been canceling plans like yeah. (laughs) It's a miracle we managed to get this together. Yeah yeah because we already had to reschedule (laughs) a few times. times, Yeah yeah.
1: and then it's like this time like fuck it let's do it underwater. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But, But no yeah I know also with like what's going on like with ukraine as well like just the the two of those things kind of felt like they kind of like peaked yeah. in the same week it was it, yeah i definitely had a lot of trouble like doing anything and it was like really weird i like talked to my parents about it and they're like they're like wasn't well, the whole point of this so you can work when you want why don't you take some time off for a break and it's like well i can't do that really because i need to pay for stuff taking time off you just feel bad about it like yeah it was it has been really weird and i was actually really feeling really weird even yesterday as well like to, but today I kind of felt a bit better but it seems so sad right now oh,
0: you know your business is reliant on your omnipresence yeah and like feeling that hesitation to like post anything or like you know how, like what do I share about legit because it's like kind of is this
1: going to feel out of touch if I post something up that I'm trying to do or like that I'm working on that I think is good for like one community, but then it doesn't help Mm -hmm. people who are underwater in Milton, you know? So it's like, (laughs) where do I go? Or like, you just like, you know, you just rush to kind of be like, Oh, I can give to some, I can donate to something or I can like donate some work to a group show or Mm -hmm. I could like sell a print and put all the proceeds to charity, which is what I did during the fires. Yeah, But then also like, like rushing to do that is just work as well like I don't even know if that's really going to help anyone if I sell a couple of prints and send it off like and I end up donating some clothing to some people and it's just like such a weird like wall
2: yeah after
1: every wall that you have already in this type of job in this type of work it's just another wall that you got to climb over another rung on the ladder yeah
0: you're trying to work out like whether the next thing you do is going to end up as a screenshot in some group chat somewhere
1: legit yeah if someone's like oh look at this prick they only care about like the fucking stuff they're bringing out and not us underwater yeah i try not i try not to worry too much about that type of thing but it's just yeah the it's hard to find motivation to do anything and i feel like everyone's feeling like that you know Mm. you talk to any like type of work i think the difference with us is we have to create the work so we can't just go to a job and we actually have to be the boss who like gets us to do the shit as well do you
0: have a day job or are you full-time artist no
1: i've been full-time artist for the longest time i don't i haven't worked a job since i worked for telstra at a call center in like 2013 dude what was tsa yeah
0: did you work at tsa yeah
1: i was gone at that shit (laughs) At oh Stone's Corner. Oh <laughs>
0: my James, <laughs> I worked at TSA, man.
1: <laughs> All great people do. <laughs>
0: okay, okay, hang on. I had to ask some questions about your work, but I really need to just ask you a bit about this.
1: Yeah, what a fucking miserable place to work. <laughs> the, the worst toxic work culture because everyone thought they were like Wolf of Wall
0: hey Street. this is Phoebe here editing this episode, and... Well, I really, really, really hate to do this, but as an act of self-preservation, I have decided to cut out the next 20 minutes of jaw-dropping stories that James and I share about our old call centre job that aged me prematurely by about 30 years. Mostly because I don't want to get sued by a telecommunications giant, but if you would like to get the gossip, I'll put the whole thing up on my Patreon with the word allegedly thrown around as frequently as possible. Again, so sorry. Love you.
1: So yeah, I haven't had a job since I worked at that shithole and I started uni in in 2013. It was dope. I did a photography degree and it was sick.
0: Do you think that it was helpful to you on your path?
1: Definitely. It was like the first place that like in education that I understood. Mm -hmm. So like going through primary school and high school, I had like a lot of problems with like teachers and stuff and like just authority and like just a rebel like kind of like a rebel kid but also at the same time they they picked on me hard I just hated it I I always thought schooling was really dumb and like I just hated the whole idea of it I couldn't wait to leave and then I I, I vowed at the end of like high school never to go to uni because I was like (laughs) fuck that it's like school on steroids and then I just kind of Went to like this TAFE course and did a few other things. And I was like shooting lots of photos for a BMX magazine Mm -hmm. at the time. And I had this kind of DNM with a friend's older brother. And he's like, well, you either got to kind of get a trade or you can go to uni and study something and like get a job in that area. It's really hard to get a job without university. And that's when I started looking into the photography degree. And luckily, because I had done this TAFE course straight out of high school, that was like a multimedia course that granted me an OP1. So I was able to get into photography when it was like an OP 6th year. Because they changed their OP every fucking year. I don't even know if yeah. they use that anymore. It was like a really high OP to get in that year. And because it was just like everyone wanted to do it that yeah. year.
0: <laughs> I love that. I thought I really thought that story was going to be like my friend's older brother told me to like start taking acid and like <laughs> <laughs> drop out of uni that's no i that was already
1: that, i was already doing all that shit so i that's why i have needed like direction
2: yeah. i was kind
1: of like what am i doing with this because i i guess like before before that i was shooting a lot of like bmx photography for a few like magazines how did
0: you get into that
1: yeah, definitely a dirty like BMX kid. It you have to. I have to go all the way back to high school. Mm. What actually started in high school is, I used to film like stunts, like jackass CKY shit. Yeah, and it was this crew called Mad Cow Industries, and I actually had a trademark business name that I actually trademarked for that, and. We would make DVDs and sell them at school. We managed to get, like, one clip of my friend jumping on it, like, flipping on this table of thumbtacks that went viral on Break.com. I don't know if, like, anyone...
0: Is it still there?
1: You could probably still find it because Break.com is still there. But, like, no one knows what Break.com is. Like, but it, at the time, because this is, like, pre-YouTube or, like, mm-hmm. when YouTube was just starting, it was, like, this web page where they would put like the most hyped viral content on their for like a blog that yeah. would put like viral content on the front page if you did get and they just update the front page every day and it's always mm-hmm. like like viral shit just like kids doing dumb shit jumping off of things a funny video or a song like it's just like kind of like what goes viral now but if you did get on the front page you won 400 bucks and that was my goal we managed to win that when i was like in grade 12 which was crazy and um, there is, um, there's an, like, a site now that's not really relevant called Shock Mansion. Have you seen mm-hmm. that? No, I haven't. You just get a front page that's refreshed every day, and it's, like, a video of, like, bikini girls, like, washing a big truck, and then it's, like, oh, someone God, doing a I backflip haven't. on a motorbike. So and it's, and... like,
0: Zoom magazine. Or yeah, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, as
1: legit. It's like that. And um, it was kind of like that. It was, like, college humor, like, frat shit, like, parties, mm-hmm. like, all that type of stuff. Like, I remember... Where, a viral video at the time I really loved it. It was like this obviously this trust fund baby in America with a hummer just running over people's letterboxes down the street and I was like that's shit.
0: man it's so hard <laughs> to communicate it's so hard to communicate to people the singular joy of early internet when you and your friends would like circle around like the house computer yeah legit watching like one of the 15 videos that there were and like even though you know the internet was a big place back then. There was, like, one joke. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and when you discover something like that, like, if that was in, the, like, the depths of the internet, it really, truly felt like you were fucking unearthing pandora's bombs. Legit. Like, this was like an archaeological find and it was so like fun and joyful i love that you did that. Well, it. it's crazy
1: because uh, at the t- so our stunt crew was called mad cow industries and i've i've buried all the youtube but there is still a youtube out there i've buried most of it except for like one video there's a proper dvd that i want to have like a premiere of that came out in like 2009 that's like a full like mm-hmm. feature length dvd i'll do something with it one day but um yeah the stunt shit at the time, there was a community for stunt crews like this on YouTube. So yeah. they were like kind of all around the world, like Canada. Um, I can't remember what they had. Like one one crew was called like Body Over Mind. Ours was called Mad Chemistry. There was like another one called like Hurt People and like oh. like Something Punks and like all this type. I can't remember the the crew names, but um, so it was like a community for it where we'd share each other's videos and all the stuff. And occasionally, one guy would go viral. One called We Play Crazy, Ars Marks, Marks. I still have their DVDs as well. And one of the guys was called Zach Holmes. He's a star in the new Jackass movie that's out now in the cinemas. So he's continued to do the Jackass shit and he's made it to the top now. And he's like this really big guy in the new movie called Zach Holmes. Yeah, it's crazy. He's like viral on um, Instagram and stuff and just still doing stunts and stuff. So like, I guess in America, like, I guess you can make it that way or something but, but like here it was so frowned upon like I, I had this video come out when i was in grade 11 where i pierced my nipple with a stapler oh. and my parents started stuff and it bled a lot and it, like the staple got stuck in there and all sorts of shit they wanted to send me to like a psychiatrist like the school knew about it like i, I had to call, talk to the principal i wasn't allowed to film anything on like school grounds like all this shit yeah, so I was doing that. I had a, I had a crew of friends who were yeah. kind of like committed to these type of stunts. So, and we had like a Facebook group because Facebook came out. So we're like in grade twelve, and then we like hu- graduate high school. It was a
0: beautiful thing. Back and then. <laughs> we would
1: listen to Dr. at "The Chronic" and smoke <laughs> weed, and that was our shit, right? Like, that was our shit. So, and we had this Facebook group and we'd send videos to each other of this type of dumb shit. I'd sit there and smoke weed. it be like, so cool, bro. Oh, we're so dope. And we had a secret handshake that was the chronic shake and all this shit. And then eventually I was like, I would like to share this community online. And I made a blog called Chronic Bone. It's like the backbone of the chronic community was like the tagline I had on it. And it was like an ongoing blog on Blogspot where I would upload videos of this shit and like oh. write a little blog post it was really badly like grammar being like yeah this is so sick check out this guy like and that's where chronic bone comes from and mm-hmm. i specifically remembered it wanting to be a thing that you could shout in a camera at a party you could go chronic bone like that in like and it was like because <laughs> I, I had this vision for like what chronic bone could be like as Man. a media company and then i started making clothing and that's where chronic bone clothing came and i started like printing shirts in my room or hand painting yeah, them yeah. and then The more I got into this, the more I got into the BMX scene within Brisbane and I kind of identified who were the professional riders and who were like sponsored by like overseas companies. And then I started hitting them up with free shirts and like kind of developed a friendship. And before I knew it, I was like signing these riders onto a chronic bone BMX team And then we would go on like BMX trips and I'd like film and do all the photo for like BMX videos and shit. And those that stuff's still live on the internet because that wasn't that was while I was at uni. So this kind of just progressed while I was at uni, selling a fair bit of shirts, selling them in a few stores like around Australia that sell BMX clothing as well. And then when I made Instagram, I just called it Uncle Chronic Bone Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be like the father of Chronic Bone. But I I wanted to be like the creepy uncle. I think like when I come on this Cast. I want to talk about like my failures, but so like people can see like how it's taken so long to get to here. But really, I've just evolved like the same core idea. Mm. It's like I've just been always into this shit, and I've just evolved it over time. And it just it just comes in different places. Sometimes it's clothing, sometimes it's an art sometimes it's music. It just evolves, but it's still the same kid jumping on a thumbtack yeah. <laughs> in the backyard, <laughs> like Stapling at, his yeah, vibe. Like I guess that's but,
0: really cool. I like didn't actually know this about you it, it might feel like it's really left of field coming from that background into the kind of visual art that you do but you can see those aesthetic influences yeah. creeping into the work that you do now i mean this would have been like this is almost 10 years ago now that you were, you were doing this stuff right
1: yeah uh, yeah so I was, the thing with that like is that with bmx like kind of once you get older, Mm -hmm. you just kind of don't do it as much anymore. It's not the same like passion to go riding like every weekend. Like I still love BMX and I don't like disregard it as something that like, Oh, I used to do that cringe. I actually still (laughs) love BMX and I still watch BMX videos as entertainment at home. Um, it's just that, like, you get old, you break bones, like, you get a girlfriend. You're, you, like, a,
0: pondering your mortality a little bit more when you, it, you're, like, at the top of a hill. You're, like, yeah. maybe I won't be bouncing back from this one as much as last I, time. You get like,
1: sick of getting kicked out of, like, schools and universities for trying to, like, just ride some bikes. Like, it, it ha- happened all at once because I was kind of in this generation of rides that were all kind of sponsored by overseas companies. And they all kind of got older as well. They're yeah. older than me so they all kind of got out of like the bmx thing and so i was shooting a lot of photography for bmx started shooting ads for other brands started like shooting for a 2020 magazine where if anyone is listening to this and they know what that is they know that that's the number one magazine you can shoot for in so like i had like double page spreads in that game probably paid large cash for that time it? but then obviously print media died in that way as well and then no i idea what you're talking about <laughs> No, I mean like there's no magazines. Like, <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Bremen we didn't die. What are you talking about? Everything is Yeah, human. Everyone's
0: still talking about Vice. Yeah. <laughs> it's the name on everyone's list. Yeah. Vice magazine. Yeah, everyone loves
1: magazines. It's like I still love magazines, but it kinda mm-hmm. died. And then I guess the art stuff has a, it's like a subplot where I was really gifted with art at a young age. I actually like had an artwork on display at QCA um, when I was 12. Like, younger school kids thing. The weird, like, full circle moment was that was the exact gallery I had my final critique for my honours in. Wow, and circle The circle moment. Yeah, my honours was about the same thing that that was about. Because I realised when doing my honours that a big issue that I had in the world was how we're becoming like trapped in technology. And that's what I named that painting as a 12 year old. It was called trapped in technology. And it was about how our phones are like detaching us from the world. And it's a picture of near from the
0: matrix. Like, <laughs> <Literally. laughs> like, it was like a picture of
1: a guy <laughs> at an airport on a phone like this, like wow. sad. And it was all gray. Yeah. My, I realized in honors that my work was becoming about that. That's what I was interested in. I was interested in, like this beautiful utopian technology vision we have and then this horrible dystopian real life bet like juxtaposition of that and how we like kind of are gliding through the two at the time and we're like making our own realities online and then this reality in the real world and i i have this type of interest in that so that's and i realized that during honors i'm like oh that's what i do
0: <laughs> i mean it's super relevant like That particular period that I think, you know, we're basically the same age, like, that we grew up in. We grew up in an era when the internet didn't exist.
1: Legit. And
0: then suddenly it is the most important thing in the world. Like, we, in, you know, the span of 15 short years...
1: Like the most confusing time of our lives is like our adolescence, like when we're becoming adults in this time, and that's exactly the same time we're in fucking history of this planet. Everyone got a supercomputer in their pocket, and from having nothing, yeah, having a supercomputer. So like it's just it just it's just like the way that I feel about posting something on social media is like is really has a lot of gravity to it because when you first did it, it was like a really big deal, and I feel like now. It still is a really big deal but so
0: you, you get a bit of anxiety about posting
1: hardcore I actually have yeah. a list of rules that I have to go through like a checklist for self preservation before I'm allowed to post anything because there's a high chance I'll post something and I will get really upset with, with it
0: get like mad anxiety from yeah it. yes. I'll get,
1: and it's like you can't sleep like I've, I've also gone through phases where I don't care at all mm-hmm. about it but then I find that like I'm like what am I trying to present what am i trying to show to the world if i don't give a fuck at all about what i'm posting and like you know i kind of wish i have like the more zoomer gen z approach of this like everything's stupid everything's yeah, ironic
0: the, this is like a uniquely millennial um, disease i think <laughs> as Legit, well. like,
1: it's like everything's serious for us i i
0: still have in fact pretty much every like creative that i'm friends with has very similar approach where like you'll you'll post something You'll go through, like, 12 hours of heightened anxiety, you know, surrounding the post, and then you'll get, like, a big dopamine rush, like, if it does well, and then you'll move on after that. Yeah. It's, it is still this, it doesn't feel as casual as it does for, like, our younger friends, or or at least a little more, like, built-in to their DNA. Yeah. Like, posting is just part of life, whereas we went through a period where the idea of posting anything personal about yourself was like debated on the news the reason i ask you is because i am i'm genuinely surprised to hear this from you out of all of the artists that i know there's no one like you that i've seen is better at sort of seamlessly moving between different social media apps that's like really quick to adopt new um not trends but like uh platforms and types of media like i remember when augmented reality was still pretty like new in the teeth like yeah you jumped on it and you're like here's a fucking cool like new avenue to explore i'm gonna like do this yeah like, you know you've always been really you know taking these new platforms and these new types of media and finding really fun creative ways to apply it to your work This is going to lead into our next segment that I like to call Hello Fellow Demographic. (laughs) (laughs) Stories from the dystopian future, the year 2022. The world is normal, everything is fine. (laughs) So this is an article that I wanted to discuss with you, um, James. It comes from a little while ago now, like mid last year. And you may be aware of this, you may have heard of this. The head of Instagram says that Instagram is no longer a photo-sharing app. Right. According to Adam Masseri, the head of Instagram, in a video posted to his Instagram and Twitter accounts, Masseri said the company is looking to lean into entertainment and video after seeing the success of competitors like TikTok and YouTube. He describes some upcoming changes and experiments that Instagram will be doing, including showing users recommendations for topics that they're not following, and making video more immersive by offering a full screen experience. The message that Instagram is sending is clear. It no longer wants to be thought of as the square photo sharing app, but instead as a general entertainment app driven by algorithms and videos. So this was posted back in July there's a lot of talk at the moment from artists about this idea of like shadow banning and like losing engagement. Like, So I don't know if you've heard this discourse about it, but in the last 12 months people have been like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Like I have no likes on my photos. Like I've been getting zero engagement on my posts and that kind of thing. A lot of this is having to do with how Instagram is trying to rebrand itself. So moving away from promoting its static images instead to favor content creator focused content so like videos reels um remixed videos that kind of thing because they want to be competitive with tiktok yeah artists are creators and art is content i don't really know any artists that have been so seamless in their adoption of new media types as you how do you navigate the idea of being a content creator versus an artist?
1: Dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <Bruh. laughs> I feel like I have to ask everyone that's here.
1: I th- I, like, I, I think, like, there's a couple of things to answer in this mm. question. It's multi-layered. Mm. Like them turning away from like just single photographs and stuff to video Mm -hmm. is like them trying to win back because TikTok has completely blown out meta which is Facebook and Instagram they are like losing heavily in that in that area like Instagram feels like a fucking ghost town. It's adopted by boomers now as well. So your mum and dad's on Instagram. So it's it's no longer cool for the kids to be on Instagram. The real content, like the reels content and video content that you do see popping off on Instagram is usually a TikTok (laughs) that's just been transformed over onto Instagram. It's got
0: the logo on it still, like it pops up in reels. Legit.
1: It's like it's it's kind of dying a little bit. Um, I think... Like, that's one thing. So I feel like they're obviously, like, kind of grasping at, like, straws being like, oh, fuck, we need to, like, compete with this TikTok Mm -hmm. thing. But I kind of predict, like, Meta completely crashing in the future and there being no Facebook or Instagram. And there just is TikTok and maybe something else will come up. I don't fucking know. Social media, it's the devil. Like, because really... The, the, you know, the, the people aren't getting, and you said that people aren't getting engagement. That's just because they want you to buy their ads. Yeah. They want you to pay to promote your content, which I have also done that before as well. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly you're like, wow, it's fucking the pokey machines, bro. Suddenly you put 15 bucks in it, it mm-hmm. spins around, mm-hmm. a bunch of like shit Come like, you know, you might get 50 bucks back or you might lose it. When it comes to TikTok, you get. So much more engagement. You get all these new followers because it's just... I mean, on um, Instagram, you get all these new mm-hmm. followers because it's just showing it to all these people. They just want you to keep paying for it. So that's why your engagement is down low. So that's one, that's one aspect of the question. I know mm-hmm. I was kind of going on a little bit there. And then for me, personally, I already... The process... Like you said, I, use a lot of, I do a lot of behind-the-scenes process stuff. Mm-hmm. The process for me is the work. Like, that is the work. So, and I'm already creating it in the way of video or this or that or i'm already working in those ways so it's easy for me to transmit it onto instagram or tiktok which i have recently started doing as well because it's already the way i'm thinking about i'm thinking of it in a video point of mind so it's not too difficult for me to do that i think it's hard to to make it feel native to those platforms especially if the idea I have for my art is that it has to be viewed in person or it's connecting with people in a certain way and then it has to be, you know, transmitted to people on their little handheld supercomputer crystals. Um, <laughs> I don't really have too much of a problem creating the content yeah. that is the process or is my work or even applying the content into. A platform like you know like changing it so it works on the platform mm-hmm. because it still gives me an output to publish it still gives me a, able to share with my friend like a place where i can do that and they can like review it for for greater bigger ideas that are going to happen in the real world
0: like video video has always been part of your practice and so it yeah. kind of automatically translates really well to what these platforms are asking for in a yeah. way all of the editing that you did like all of the video yeah. producing and like directing and all that kind of stuff
1: something else I wanted to add the creating because you kind of I mentioned a thing about a uh, creating content or just pr- producing art as yeah. video I think like I am not looking at what I'm doing as content because I'm not trying to like engage like everyone into like a business or something like I'm not looking at it as content. I think that if I start to manipulate an idea and it becomes content, that's yeah. when I know I'm doing something wrong. And that's when I like have this checklist that steps in and tells me that like, that's not what I'm going to do. It's kind of just like sleep on it. Yeah, like before that's... I, cause I find that I'll just like make something in a day, rush it out and just put it up. And then I'm like, fuck, I could have revised that. It doesn't sound right. doesn't look right. It, you know, I just get too excited and put it out. Yeah. Um, value is this and this is what i was going to say about content versus art does this create value for whoever wants to fucking actually look at my shit yeah. is this valuable to them is it valuable to me does it grow or is it just some crap gonna add to the void of crap on the internet that people scroll through you know while they're stuck yeah. on these fucking apps like it just has to be and then there's like a few other things like just about you know, if I truly like it, if it's like, you know, if it makes me happy and all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff, I can't really remember it all. But it's just basically like, is it valuable and like to sleep on it and just revise what I want to post up. Yeah, I think as long as it's valuable and like what I'm trying to show people and my heart is in it, it doesn't feel like content. And I also don't get upset if no one engages with it either. I
0: love that. I'm. It's cool to hear that your approach is more letting the work that you do speak for itself and you're not sort of bending for the for the sake of content creation. There's actually a good video we could watch in a second is relational
1: to this. Is it a TikTok?
0: It is. <laughs> it is. Actually, let's watch it.
2: Have any other independent content creators noticed how bad the engagement is on sites like YouTube and Facebook and Instagram lately? I was wondering if it was just me, but then I did some digging and I found that In 2020, over the course of the pandemic, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook experienced massive drop-offs in engagement numbers. Turns out that these social media networks are suffering from what's called over-monetization. They've abandoned the social aspect of social media and made it all about ways to either get you to spend money or get companies to spend money to show you their content which makes it impossible for small creators to get their stuff out there. And as a result, both viewers and creators are migrating off of these platforms in droves because they just don't feel welcome anymore. And so that is why platforms like TikTok are doing so well, where it's still possible for independent content creators like you and me to make it organically. Follow for more.
1: Yeah, legit. (laughs) Interesting, huh? he, He has, yeah, he has summed it up. It's, it is... They are just trying to sell you ads. Every sixth thing you see, every sixth thing you see on Instagram is a paid ad, it, and they want you to pay to make your shit an ad, which it doesn't need to be. Especially, okay. So you, we're thinking about us. We're fucking like using this platform to promote our business or mm-hmm. what our mission is in life. People like fucking just using this. So they can see what they, you know, post up their 21st birthday. Yeah. Like, why the fuck would they care about any of this shit? Like, they of course they're not going to use it. Of course they'd rather be on TikTok and scroll through and see someone do some dumb shit.
0: I can't imagine, like, how brain poisoning Instagram especially would be, like, for someone who's trying to use it as a social media tool, not as something to promote their, their oh arts God. practice or something, like you can't really open it up without being sold something. It is it is really cool to see how you're able to thrive in this environment where artists sort of, in order to be seen, you have to kind of go through these motions, like create all of this content. And I think it's really admirable to see how you're doing it in a way that's um, still really true to your art, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um,
1: I... I think like just to add to like, just to really add to like this whole thing or just to like, just to, just to add a layer to this. The reason why I'm successful, the reason why people fuck with my stuff is because I talk to them in real life. Mm -hmm. Like what's happening to us now. My content isn't shit. Like the reason why I have these art shows and people come and celebrate Mm -hmm. my stuff is because I can engage with these communities in real life. I don't, it's not just about creating content. The content sucks. Hopefully one day we'll never have to make content. Yeah. I prefer the real life physical interactions and that's why I have like this success. It's totally about talking to people, meeting people, mm-hmm. being at events, being fans of other people's stuff, celebrating other people's success and just working in that environment. I've, and I, a long time ago, was going to go to Melbourne and do this big art show and, and be like, look, I'm going to do this big art show. But I realized when I went to Melbourne that... There was a community in Brisbane that was untapped that I could really like start a grassroots, like community in that all appreciate my work or want to work with me and collaborate, and that's how it works. The people who like my shit, ninety percent are people I fucking know in real life. So like that's that's it. Like obviously you can blow up on TikTok and you can have like a hundred thousand followers. But I don't know if that's sustainable. It doesn't really work for me because that's not my goal. My goal isn't to be some type of internet mystical creature that can sell 100 Mm t-shirts. Like, it's to connect with people in a real world. So, yeah, that making, like, yeah, the content is just kind of second nature to...
0: Are you telling our audience to <laughs> touch
1: grass? <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> are, you saying, are you saying touch grass, guys? Yeah. Uh, and then I can't agree more. Like, touch I think, grass. I think that there's, you know, uh, a huge amount of value in, yeah, remembering that, like, those platforms are really important for stuff like conversions for, like, getting website clicks to getting all that stuff all of the jobs that I would qualify as, like, you know, the big, the big fish jobs that I've gotten in the past, like, absolutely did not come from my internet presence. It was always from, like, the network or my friends or people that I met when I was out at a show or whatever, like, at no point did opportunities come from people being like, yo this annoying bitch on the internet has x amount of followers therefore she will be providing she value for perfect. us <laughs> yeah like no, one gives a shit, like no one that's actually doing these jobs really gives a shit about that yeah stuff. like for the most part and i feel like it's the same with you as well like the relationships you've fostered in brisbane especially yes yeah. damn man brisbane rocks yeah this is a pro brisbane podcast Legit. just so everyone knows it um, is. straight off the bat i'm just gonna each guest that i get on the podcast i like to ask them if there has been a standout in their experiences where things didn't ultimately go to
1: plan of like a flop
0: what's something about the work that you do that maybe our listeners you know wouldn't get to see behind the curtain a little
1: bit like how like fucking everything goes wrong dude it's murphy's (laughs) law (laughs)
0: But, uh, <laughs> end of podcast yeah. play, play credits
1: everything's fucked i think like one like i've i've recently had a lot of like i've had when i have been able to put those clothing collections online mm-hmm. they've some of them have sold out really quickly and i've had a lot of people kind of be like that's fucking crazy like how did you sell that out how did you do this type of thing The first fucking clothing collection I ever put online for the first Chronic Bone drop, I bought so much stock and I saved up all the fucking money I had in the world and I had all these different t shirt designs and I had this idea in my mind that it was going, everyone was going to buy it, they were all going to love it, and I had it going all over social media and I hyped the fuck out of it and no one bought anything from that fucking collection for months. It just. It just sat there online. It was like no one even fucking cared. I had to like message people directly and be like, hey, that t-shirt that you thought was cool, it's like out now. And they're like, yeah, cool, thanks. And never, no one bought it. It was just such a fucking flop. And it was That's really so just, <laughs> dude, it's fine. It was really discouraging. Um, well, yeah, I've had these, sell, I've had this, you know, maybe more recently sold out of that, of like a certain item. But in the past, it's never gone that way. And it hasn't mm-hmm. happened really since that sellout time that i had recently Mm. and i I think the only reason why i was able to sell that out is because so many people were directly messaging me saying that they wanted it so i was able to like lock them into basically buying it like it's available now and and develop hype around it i I, i'm hoping to kind of stabilize constant products online for myself Mm. so that it doesn't have that sellout culture i think that that you don't like for myself like i don't have fucking just the money just for when you decide to drop your shit. I might have it in two weeks' time. So, like, I I don't know. Like, it's... Yeah, I think that that's, that sell-out kind of culture thing can go away.
0: It can go... In, <laughs> and I think I think it's kind of... Consumer behaviour is changing in that you don't have to pre-purchase 300 units of something in order yeah. to, to feel like you can do pre-orders and that sort of thing um, to help grease the wheels. Because... God knows, like, um, like pre-buying stock uh, in the hopes that it will sell.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh my
0: fucking God, James. The number of times that I've been like, all right, we've got a winner, guys. I've done this print. I've spent fucking six months on it. I did it. I worked so hard. Uh, you know, went through the, the sampling. We went through the production. We went through all the shit. I'm oh, like, I just know. It. I can feel it in my bones. It's going to be a bestseller comes to d-day and you're like i have made a terrible mistake yeah. uh, you know this this piece that you know will take me and has you know in in one specific circumstance taken me like two years to get rid of all of the stock whereas some you can sell 200 and like a week you know I, I think it's one thing that i love about your approach to fashion though as well is that like the work that you produce is one of ones what you're doing is like, really tangible yeah. artwork. And so it makes sense that people want to buy it straight up. Like, fuck. There are huge problems with merchandise culture generally, too. Yeah, like, true. I think we are reaching peak t-shirt. You know what I mean? Like,
1: everyone has a fucking brand, dude. Yeah,
0: everyone. So, you know, there is something to be said for selling, you know, like doing a drop of 10, yeah. you know, customized pieces like you do. I think it's um, yeah. super cool, super valuable. Thank,
1: Thank you for me like so right now like sydney biennale's on um which is like this giant like every two year art show that's in sydney and mm-hmm. they do biennales all around the world and it's kind of like the biggest they get they get a lot of the hugest artists to kind of come in and put on installations Mm. and stuff and i went to it a couple of years ago you know to kind of see like what is the best stuff in this field yeah and i was just like shocked to find that the demographic that i associate with like when i talk to other people my age at bars or around Sydney, they had fucking no idea what it was or that it was on and like to go to the actual exhibitions and see how the people were supposed to be interacting with the biggest and best work that's cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to get here and. on or whatever was just kind of like disappointing to me like you know obviously people can find it really great and take away a great life enriching experience from it but I was just finding it really disappointing and that's when I kind of had when I was walking down like Newtown somewhere wasted I was like I really need to get back into clothing I really need to bring back this connection with clothing and fashion because It's something that is real. It's in the real world. People wear it. They appreciate it. They love it. They put it Mm. on their back. They represent it. They carry it with them. It represents them. I think that I, I just thought it was so much easier to connect with clothing than it was to connect with like a giant... Conceptual art. Yeah. Like, I, when I was doing the BMX clothing, I remember going to fucking this BMX jam, which is like you know just a, a mm-hmm. big corporate of BMX ride basically getting wasted, and doing tricks for two days straight at this at these <laughs> Charlie's
0: Angels too. Yeah, yeah.
1: full <laughs> throttle. <laughs> basically, John, yeah. <laughs> Smack my bitch up. <laughs> yeah, going on. Yeah, it was like it was at Mariborough, and we drove out there, and there was I I was fucking doing backflips when like these two little kids rocked up wearing chronic bone shirts oh man and like it somehow had gotten to them but, like I, I obviously said it to them well, they bought them you know online through bmx <laughs> or something And it's just like the feeling of that was like so 10 times like better for me than like selling an artwork to a collector you yeah. know like to have like kids appreciate that that's the other thing is i i kind of had to separate everything up a bit because the artwork's becoming it's going into a place where if i really want to like you know show off what i have to offer in my community in like the the world of like art galleries Mm -hmm. and institutions and museums it's becoming really inaccessible and unaffordable to people who are are in my demographic so it's still i still need like some type of output so they can participate in it as well so the clothing perfectly does that for me too it's legit, it's affordable and everyone can take part and find value and participate in it that way. It's really fucking dope. I really foresee it being... Um,
0: but continuing to be a large part of your practice. Yeah, yeah. it
1: has been. I've been working on it a lot this year. Yeah. It's just I haven't had anything to show because... As I said, people come over and they're like, oh, I want that one and that one for my sister and this one, that one. And I'm like, obviously, I'm going to say yes to money. Yeah, dude. Because I fucking don't make money any other fucking way. So. It's also good to
0: know what works and what doesn't. Guys, I think it's high time that we move on to somehow only our second segment of the podcast, <laughs> um, called comfort food. What is your white noise? What is your comfort food? What do you consume when? You come home after a big day or leave the studio and there's nothing but cotton balls in the brain and you need to turn everything off. We're not talking (laughs) about the aesthetics, like, cool stuff. We're talking about the weird, nasty shit that you watch when you have nothing left in the tank.
1: Yeah, and and this is, I think, like, the more cringy shit that, like, I would only really want to watch, like, alone. Uh Uh-huh. Is like Pokemon card openings. Okay, hang on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I need—I just needed to put my iPad down for a second. Can you just repeat that last line for
1: me? Pokemon card openings. Yeah, so like it's just like it's like some grown adult. Opening Pokemon cards. Up, Squad? Welcome to another vintage Pokemon opening with first edition
0: Neo packs, some legend, wait for it, dairy packs, and some more vintage packs will be opened all in one action packed video because we're going shiny Pokemon.
1: And they hate. just like show them to the camera. Like, for some reason, I it just like gives me that nostalgic <laughs> hit. Because, like, you can you can specifically find ones where it's, like, the cards that I used to have when I was a kid. So, they, like, have, like, the retro decks. Oh, and they open God. them, and, like, I just, and it's like, in the background, and they just open, They, like, they do them on stream. They go for hours. So, it's,
0: like, an unboxing. Yeah. It's, Hopey.
1: like, they'll get a whole gigantic tub of Pokemon cards and just open them all, and then, like, they... If a rare comes up, they go ballistic. Because obviously it's for kids. <laughs> it's for kids. And I love that shit. Like, I'll put that on. Like, it's just, it's just dope to even see someone so happy, too. It's like some grown-ass man who's bawling, being like, Charizard! Like. <laughs> oh my god.
0: That's amazing. Yeah,
1: I, I do like that. Like, it, but it's it's a certain, it's like I have to be in the right vibe for it because I, I'm actually doing a project with trading. That's Ooh. that I'm working on but that's just been like a a weird like ongoing thing in my life yeah. like training cards and stuff it's just like a childhood thing that I fucked with that like the art of it obviously yeah. like Magic the Gathering as well Pokemon like there's just something about that holding it in your hand it kind of directly relates to the phone looking at the shiny thing like oh, lit, no. yeah so I, I kind of fuck with that obviously see it's weird I turned that into something to do with work <laughs>
0: Can I just say, <laughs> I I really deeply empathize with this video. I loved Pokemon cards when I was a kid, but we couldn't really afford them. Right. And so my brother and I made our own Pokemon cards. That's <laughs> sick. Called Death Men 2000. That's sick. Yeah. And it was like this hand drawn. My dad had a business card sleeve. Yeah, I
1: remember playing with one of them.
0: Yeah. And so, whenever we'd go to Bunnings, which dad would go because he was trying to like run renov- home renovations in yeah. the house, it, the paint cards that you yeah, get from the
1: Bunnings. Yeah, the Panto shit. Yeah.
0: So, we'd get those and we'd cut them up and we'd draw on them Dude. and we would made up our own card game, That's like sick. using the Deaf men. I'll show you some photos later. They are like very funny. Um, they're like really, really That's bad. They we were like 10, and it's like this really complicated game, and yeah. we were like, yeah, Death Men. Can you tell that we weren't super popular in school? <laughs> <laughs> my brother was you my pl- best friend.
1: I <laughs> played Death Man Two Thousand. Yeah. I, anyway, <laughs> I did this. I did the same thing with Beyblades, like those spinning top things. I made like my own ones, and then like, out of like like weird like kind of like bionicle parts type shit but it was not it was like called connects or
0: something bring back bionicles this is a pro bionicles <laughs> podcast legit bring it back
1: and I like somehow wedged like a piece of like aluminium inside of them and then I versed some of the kids and it broke their beyblades and I got in trouble for my like DIY beyblade destroyer
0: feral beyblade
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah legit destroyed the, my feral bucket diesel covered beyblade
0: that's so funny I <laughs> <laughs> Brought one from home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It
0: falls out. Dude, that rocks. I um. Alright, James, we have come to the final segment of the episode. Um, this is called What's My Rate? This is the only podcast in the world that truly values the time and expertise of our guests, and as such, each guest gets paid. For their appearance on the show there's only one hitch it's up to you the guest to decide how they get paid we use the industry standard compensation types exposure trade money or a slab of forex gold (laughs) there's no such thing as a sure thing in freelancing so this is a total lucky dip This is kind of like a choose your own adventure segment, and this is sort of like yeah, like Goosebumps, (laughs) exactly like Goosebumps.
1: I think like like obviously you know I'm like oh the Goldies would go a treat, (laughs) but um, I think like I'm gonna have to take it. Straight to the face, a hot load of exposure, please. Oh, excellent. <laughs> because that is that is the uh yep. that's the number one. That's I what everyone that. wants. I
0: love it. <laughs> that's no, what no, everyone it's needs. Perfect. <laughs> ah Exposure. You have chosen exposure. A treacherous path indeed, we traveler. You have dared to join me on my shitty podcast in the hopes of being paid with some kind of Status elevation! Give me the clout! After our episode is concluded, you sit by the phone waiting for the likes and follows to begin rolling in. (laughs) A night of zero engagement forces your hand and you begin to investigate my so-called influencer status. As you tear through the pages of my Instagram history, the horrifying recognition begins to set in. Not all is what it seems, weary traveller. You see that somehow I jumped from 200 followers to like 40,000 in less than a week, but still only get like 10 (laughs) likes on each of my posts. (laughs) As you slowly scroll through, you see that the only comments on each of my posts are from hot Russian women who don't exist and NFT accounts that comment the graph emoji on everything. (laughs) (laughs) To the moon! James Hornsby, you have been scammed and
1: you will receive
0: zero exposure for your appearance on today's episode. No. We never speak again.
1: Oh, shit! Damn! That was a great segment!
0: Thank you. That's a sick thing.
1: Wow. Getting paid in exposure. Yeah, I thought yeah. that that was the best one because it was the most, it's the most, uh...
0: I'm sorry, Comment. I can't help you
1: with that. I don't. I don't think that um, like people even really. I think that like brands and companies know now not to offer exposure. Mm. Well, I would hope are. So. I think they've learned from the backlash that they will receive yeah. usually if someone's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna offer the exposure for shit." But you still, you still get fucking people asking you to do shit for free, which is crazy. And I guess they they think it's gonna be for exposure or they a collab. And you're like, what's the collab, bro? Like, I'm, I'm open to collabs if it's, like, we're both bringing, like, valuable ideas to the table. We, oh, it'll we, fun, can, or it'll be fun. Or it'll be, you know. We combine them. Yeah. And it turns into something new. But if it's just, like, this, the collab is you just want me to make you look cool.
0: I think the big one at the moment, like, I think brands have cottoned on to the idea of being paid an exposure. But they are still falling into the same trap. You see a lot of discourse around it on Twitter, especially, where you'll have Billie Eilish made this mistake recently where she was like, hey, guys, I'm running a competition for the best artwork. Submit your artwork right. and then whatever you submit will be used as album artwork or like, right. you know, some sort of merchandise artwork. You won't get paid for it and you don't own the license to that artwork anymore. Yeah. And that, that belongs to me now. I, I own that artwork. But you will have the honour of being part of my, you know, fucking intellectual property, yeah.
2: like,
0: you know, conglomerate. Mechanisms. So, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, there is a lot of backlash against that kind of stuff. Brands do that a lot and yeah. get in a lot of trouble. And they're like, guys, like, let's all, you know, like, submit open submissions to, like, you know, do this artwork for this thing we want to do. And it's, like, all free labor, effectively, and free ideas, you know, which is, yeah. like, the big problem. But...
1: Definitely, because they, they also could just take that and rip it off. Yeah, like...
0: and they do.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> This is, like, you know, I fucking... Oh, who did it recently? It was, like, Marvel. Marvel did a call-out on Twitter, and they were like, hey, if you could combine... Oh, hey, writers, if you could combine any two major Marvel characters from any comic book that we've put out before... And you know, write your own story. What would it be?
1: We promised we were plagiarised.
0: Yeah. Uh, like they weren't even offering a prize. There was just no tell, like compensation. Just give us ideas. Yeah, I was like, hey, we've run out. Can I have some for free? Can I just have some free ideas? That's crazy. That would be sick. Uh, and they got blasted by it, but but also Good. a bunch of people were like, "Fuck yeah, I'd love the opportunity for you know King Marvel to give me you yeah. know his blessings." So people just throw that shit away it's
1: it crazy. it's easy to
0: get caught up in it
1: <laughs> i um i've had i've had like it's it's kind of tricky with like ripping off ideas or like uh a, a client taking like some i don't know it's kind of different from mm-hmm. it could be different for me or it could be my own personal experience but i've like done like photo shoots for musicians or something like mm-hmm. that And then I've kind of created a concept for that and given them creative direction on how Mm. it looks. Mm. And then they've taken that and then just use that for like
2: branding. Yeah.
1: And it's like, well, that's not what we agreed on. We just did a photo shoot for press photos. And now you've just turned this into your whole album release. So I had to really like start contracting around that, but I really haven't.
0: So do you do very formal contracts with, with your photography clients?
1: Um, dude, the fucking thing is, is like, I'm just such an idiot with it because I assume I have a relationship with this person and they don't need it. And the contracts will be like wasted on someone who's just perfectly fine yeah. and they just want the photos. Yeah. And it's like the one person I've developed this relationship with or we've like worked together before or whatever it is. And I'm like, we don't need a contract and that's someone that goes south. And it's always, like, someone who does approach you as more of a friend than a client. Like, that they are, like, oh, let's work together and stuff. So, I haven't really been doing much, like, photography work for Mm. musicians or any type of artwork for them either. Because it's it's just, I'm finding it so soul-sucking, really. Um, And I've been finding that my other streams of income are totally... Covering that income That's that I crazy. was creating because yeah. it was always like a side hustle to do photography, mm-hmm. like press music photography. Plus, the music industry is just toxic as shit. Business yeah, I've <laughs> got I've gotten like pretty decent contracts from like Sony, EMI, and Universal and stuff for mm-hmm. money, but it's like to get to there, it was like shooting like 5,000 assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i'm not i'm i don't want to bag on like anyone or in particular or like musicians or whatever because it's like you know everyone's doing their art but um yeah i have had to do contracts i think like a big thing that would happen with me in the beginning was i would give someone a, a set of press shots and then they would end up using they like it so much that they end up wanting to use that for their album artwork and that's not that's a completely different thing that we didn't agree on. That's going to be branded everywhere. That's going to be all over the place. It's going to be
0: for merchandise. Yeah, the t-shirts, yeah.
1: merchandise is the next thing as well that we didn't agree on. And the way that photography used to work before the internet was, you get paid the amount for how long that's going to be in the world. So mm-hmm. if you're doing a billboard, you get paid because of the size and the billboard's going to be up for six months. So you yeah. get paid for that. Yeah. So like with now with the internet and like the life of photography, like. They can take a photo, if you don't have the right contract, they can just take a photo and run with it. And use it
0: for anything.
1: Merchandise I've had, I had that happen to me a few times and it would even turn into, like, a nasty fight with that person that didn't end up well, obviously, the, you know, whatever. I just have to, I can't, like, fight them and it just runs forever or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just had to make sure that, like, I just had to start charging a whole separate amount for creative direction.
0: Like,
1: was it sort of, like, so you shot a client? Yeah, so there was... Yeah, we it was, like, an agreed-on press photography. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I was doing at the time, mainly. So it's just, like, you know, they want some photos to put up on Instagram mm-hmm. for when they're releasing a new song or they have a show or mm-hmm. they can give it to... The blog that posts like a little, you know, like, oh, they just released a new single. Mm. It's just like those photos of them that get shared around that music kind of social media landscape. So people Mm. like, oh, they got a new thing out. That's an exciting photo. And then they wanted to, they took that photo to, you know, see like album artwork, t-shirts and all this type of shit that we did, you know, and that was never agreed on. And they had already argued down my price um, paid in cash, without contracts, all this type of stuff that, you know, I compromised a lot already to do it, and it was really sold to me. It was like, this is a friendship thing. We're friends, like, you know, let's, you know, no, nah, we'll do it for cheaper. Like, you know, we'll keep working with you. Like, this kind of like dangling of like, yeah, you're gonna get more work out of us, and like, you know, you can work with our other people, and like this type of thing. And it was just like, yeah, they bartered me down like to half the price that I wanted it to do. And then they took those photos and ran with them. And then when I tried to, to say like, I don't, you know, that's not what I want to do. Um, well, that's not what I, what I want. Like, you know, they argued with me about it. They said that, you know, it was theirs and, This type of stuff. Whereas like Jesus Christ. Yeah, well they just told me it was common practice, like, to do this type of thing, and they also said that they should have made me sign a contract and this type of crap. It was really like kind of manipulative. Um I've had other occasions where they take the photos and they want someone else to do some type of like retouching or editing to them. Mm. And like the reason why I do what I do is because I do the whole Thing from conceptual of the idea into retouching to supplying the images to complete and they're not meant to be edited or retouched by someone mm. else because that's not a good representation of my work. Like, if they're going to be posting that around saying it's mine, mm. like that I took it for them, you know, it doesn't look like what I wanted to do or what we did. So yeah, I've had other fucking ones where I did like I did a big shoot where <laughs> I did a big shoot and then the band had a lineup change and then they were like the best photos i ever done and they'll never see the light of day type thing and what I was gonna say was is luckily I haven't really worked with anyone in that industry for a while because I've just been focusing so much on art stuff on like my own mm-hmm. art which is great and I have to keep occasionally I'll get like an email from like so-and-so manager like oh I want you to work with this person and like I'm like oh shit and they have like a kind of like a really lame budget and I'm like oh. <laughs> and then i like in my mind I'm like oh but I'll seem cool to like those people but and I'll be like oh but, you know I, I've been saying no to so much stuff because all that it will create for me is if, if it does go well is another job from them for their other musicians like it doesn't f- like build what I want to do with my art because mm-hmm. the like press photography is just a different thing. So like mm-hmm. I'm not I wasn't trying to, I'm not trying to be that anymore. I think I've done enough press photography. There's definitely people who are hungry to just do press photography, so mm-hmm. they should work with them
2: yeah. and
1: not work with me because that's not. What I want to do, it doesn't build the world or community that I'm trying to build. And, and I, I had to like I've had to like say this to like my parents before. I'm like, it doesn't matter if I'm fucking shooting like Britney Spears for the front cover of Vogue. Mm-hmm. No one gives a shit about the photographer. Yeah. You'd be lucky if they even credit you. Yeah. Because it's fucking Vogue. They don't even care. Yeah. Like and, and they're like that, that you know, I'm like, they're like, oh but no, people do care. I'm like, who's David LaChapelle? I'm like, who, do you know who that is? And they're like, no. I'm like, he's photographed every celebrity you can imagine combined. Yeah,
0: but I, I feel the same way about um, video artists as well. So like, yeah. I've got friends that are um, directors, cinematographers, I guess just all all round, you know, like all rounders um, making video art that have done work. For the fucking big boys, man. We're yeah. talking just like the biggest companies, the biggest brands, the biggest artists known to man. These people are like by and large technicians because they know it doesn't matter how big the brand is that you're working for. Your name is not going to be like spread across the screen <laughs> in big credits like Quentin Tarantino. Like that yeah. isn't that isn't the way it goes. And the same with the photographers. Like you might, yeah. like there may be... A little more of a cult of personality around photographers these days with Instagram kind of mm. like you know Nadia Lee comes to mind as like a, as an yeah. example of that um, but I think that those the people that do like David LaChapelle as well like they're that people come to them for their arts practice yeah not as technical photographers yeah. just to like get the press shots out Legit. James, thank you so, so much for joining me today. This has been a gorgeous afternoon. It has been a long afternoon. I'm very grateful for your time today. Um, Before you go, is there anything that you would like to plug to our followers? Um
1: damn, I feel like whenever this happens, it's like, what the fuck do I plug? Yeah, uh, shout yeah. Out. I've forgotten
0: everything I've ever done or said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: It's like shout out Connor TV uh, <laughs> on YouTube now. I think like, um, I just want to say thank you for listening and um, thanks mom and dad, awesome. Sharina, thank you Phoebe for having me on. Um, and just remember, it's a mountain climb, not a helicopter ride to the top. It's the journey not the destination baby. And you I heard wish it here first but... <laughs> and I, I wish I could take my own advice sometimes.
0: <laughs> I fucking love that. And do you have anything upcoming that you want to let our listeners know about?
1: You didn't already know about my shit, check it out.
0: Yeah. I'll put all the links in the the show notes and description. Um guys, thank you so much for listening. Sorry for the wait this week. It has been a crazy, crazy time. So I appreciate your patience. And uh thank you for following. I think I'm gonna turn this into two episodes, maybe one on my Patreon as well Yo. as uh on the main feed. So ah. if you guys have find
1: a- that $44 paywall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, $8 paywall. Thank you very <laughs> much uh, if you guys would like to subscribe. I would really greatly appreciate it. Got a lot. Line- A lot of really good stuff on there at the moment. Um, I love you. Be safe. I hope all is
1: well in your world. Goodbye. Bye. It's like if you want to hear the shit that's too rude for Spotify. Oh, yeah.